Hey all, welcome to Ground Game. I'm your host Bushido Squirrel and today we're here with Jessica Sounds. And you are? Uh, an organizer with Ground Game LA. Excellent. And so today we want to talk about your city council campaign for Los Angeles. And that was uh, what election cycle? Uh, this past uh, 2017. So I uh, filed uh, summer 2016. And had you ever run a campaign before that? No. No. So this is all completely brand new to you. Yes. So let's let's kind of start there. What? When did you decide to start and what were the steps you immediately had to take in order to get your candidacy going? So the reason that I filed to run was I was a super volunteer for Bernie Sanders' campaign in Los Angeles. And his direction to us after he lost the primary was to get local. So uh, I looked up who, and to run for office. So I looked up who my council person was because I didn't even know that existed um and it was Mitch O'Farrell who currently holds the seat and uh on his website he was talking about um homelessness as an issue that we needed to clean up our streets and I thought that that was really gross and uh and that's really what sort of uh launched me into filing to run so um I went down to the uh clerks the election clerk division at LA City Hall and um I filed to run um and the first thing that they ask you to do is to sign up for a um, workshop for with your treasurer um and open a bank account so the first thing that you have to do in order to run is to open a bank account which was so bizarre to me because we Tiffany, who um, a very dear friend of mine who runs her own small business, I asked her if she would be the treasurer because she's so good with numbers um, and she's a social justice warrior. And uh, and so we were sitting in this treasurer uh, meeting to learn about uh, campaign finances. And it was just really bizarre because some of the people in the room, it was scary. I was like, you're not qualified to run. I don't even know if I'm qualified to run, but uh so that was really bizarre. But yeah, it's, it seems like it starts and begins with money as far as our city is concerned. Unfortunately, that kind of makes sense. Uh, but to, to roll back a little bit, we should mention that this election was special because of the new law in California that bans off your elections. So uh, Mitch O'Farrell didn't just win his seat for the normal, it's three years generally for city council, but he's in, in the office for five years. So five this and was, a half. So this was a very like powerful election and that one that the city had a vested interest in. And so once you so after do, taking care of the the financing stuff and doing the like how to be a candidate tutorial, what did you have to do to actually get on the ballot? We had to get signatures. So um, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was 2000 or it might have been 2500 that we had to get verifiable signatures of people who live in your district. And this would be for Council District 13 here in L.A. That's correct. Which covers about how many people? Uh, 260,000. And, and that's about the size of all the different council districts yeah. here in LA, give or take. Yeah, District 13 is actually the most dense of all of them. It's a small. It's one of the smaller ones, and it's the most densely populated district. And for those of the those of us who don't have the electoral map sort of like memorized, what neighborhoods are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about Hollywood, Echo Park, Silver Lake, uh, parts, a little bit of Koreatown, um, Atwater Village. So some really diverse neighborhoods and also some very kind of economically important neighborhoods. Like yes. This is a huge span from really rich people in Silver Lake and Los Feliz out to very immigrant neighborhoods in Koreatown that are being gentrified. So it's a, a very diverse, yeah, very diverse constituency. So what did you do to get the signatures? Um, we just had a lot of people that came out. I mean, so the first thing, my background's in theater um, and I, uh, in college, uh, 
found my love of directing plays and what directing is is bringing a group of very talented people together in their various roles and having them do what they do best and providing sort of guidelines and a vision and so that's what I sort of saw myself as the uh, candidate was providing a vision and providing some framework to work to do really good work in. So I started reaching out to the people I knew in my life to be a part of this. But then I met people who were connected to those people who ended up being like, um, I met Derek through Derek Marshall through Tiffany, who was the treasurer. And uh, Derek brought in all these new people. He has so much energy and liveliness to him. And so um, it was people like now current ground game teammates, Caleb Crowder and, and Charlie Peppers and, and uh, Jonathan Rodriguez who were like pounding pavement and we were at farmers markets and we were outside Vons and we were just uh you know talking to people I mean I would go into coffee shops in Echo Park and like just like tap on people's shoulders and say like hey I'm running for office could do you live in this area you know um there's a way to verify if they live there too so actually what happened was that we turned in our signature paperwork early and then we didn't have enough verified signatures. So we had too many people that lived outside the district. So we had to go back and luckily we had the time to do supplemental petitions. But then we were really, really focused on making sure that we were were getting the right people. And those days, man, it was, for me, I was doing eight hour days of gathering signatures. It's a lot of energy. (laughs) And it seems like that's the the main thing that you, you need to be doing here is really pounding the pavement. There's no digital organizing even if that is a part of your campaign like you you have to go interact with people to get those signatures you yeah have to or shake you can hands pay and kiss fine. babies and all that really yeah i believe so i could be wrong because actually i think i saw mitch's people getting signatures so i might be wrong about that for larger races i do know that you can either pay a fine or get the signatures wow so yeah. that seems to kind of bias it a little bit towards people with a with a war chest uh and so as you're getting the signatures, what are you doing for your war chest? Were you crowdfunding at all? Were you trying to raise money or were you kind of waiting until you got on the ballot to do that? Yeah, I started raise. we started raising money through uh, CrowdPack, uh, which is, is a website where you can raise funds. Uh, and uh, that was actually before we started signature gathering. So we started developing the team and getting uh, some small dollar donations before we actually started signature gathering, just because we were the goal was to get this thing we had to if we wanted to run so that was sort of like we're just going to keep doing this it was never an option to not get the signatures I know um Sylvie who also ran who's great um who filed quite late and we actually talked about whether we should both run or not so that's a whole other story but I I, I do have to say knowing being in the progressive scene here in LA it was a little weird to see the bifurcation because it was like my friends kind of split along lines where they were either with the Jessica Salins campaign or with Sylvie's campaign but it never was antagonistic it was like two different groups pushing progressive ideas which i thought was an interesting term for a campaign and you know it worked out really well and we're still working with sylvie and coalition on a lot of things i mean she's a dear friend um i think what was frustrating was that when i filed to run in the summer and i met sylvie i had said hey i'll be your campaign manager and she didn't know if she wanted to run she had a lot of battles that she was facing for herself internally whether she wanted to do it or not and so when she finally decided in november we already had the infrastructure and a team and i during that time even asked two people that I really trusted in LA organizing whether I should keep running or move into Sylvie's campaign and they said no you're like in the signature gathering process just keep going (laughs) you know so I I took that and I'm really glad we did because I I don't know if we would have had ground game I don't know if we would have had the same people if we had come together and ultimately we both got 
great amount of votes and I think in really engaged the constituents of District 13 into the important issues that we ended up talking about so much. Um, and our campaigns were different. We stood for different things ult- ultimately as well. Um, well so I want to ask, when, as you're going through the the uh, uh, signature gathering phase, uh, I assume you're kind of setting up your bank accounts and stuff like that and getting those P's and Q's. Were you also building your campaign infrastructure at the same time, like doing that, or were you waiting until you, you knew you were on the We back? were not waiting. Again, we were... The signature gathering we knew was going to happen, so we were building the team before signature gathering happened, um, and we were collecting small dollar donations before that. I had this really uncomfortable feeling of, because you can do matching funds with the city of LA, where if you raise so much from people in your district, then you can get matched from the city. But I didn't, on the onset, our campaign was not about money from the vision that I put forward as a candidate was that we were going to be run on small dollar donations and totally volunteer based. I met with some people who do political consulting who were very generous to give me their time just to sit down to talk about things and they all said you need one person on your staff who is paid as like the campaign manager to run operations and I said no to that because I don't believe in money in politics. I don't believe political consultants should actually be a thing because I think it deters us from the larger vision of that political government should be of by and for people and I really hold that very near and dear to my heart and so um, that's how we move forward so during the uh, signature gathering process and as we were connecting with people I never wanted it to be about I want your money it was really about I want your vote I want your voice more importantly to inform what we're doing so how how would you go about onboarding people did you know what positions you wanted to fill or did you see what like people were able to fill for your campaign as you went along like did you go to somebody be like I want you to be my uh, director of public relations or my communications director or did you have people you're who came to you were like I can handle that for you like yeah just how much of you were you searching for candidates versus how much of them were coming to you yeah uh it was a bit of both so when we first started out sort of like you would as a artistic director or a director of a production you would say okay I need my set designer my lighting designer you know and so um for this it was like okay I need a campaign manager we need a research policy person we need a communications director and and under all of those umbrellas, then you had other roles. Um, but so I thought of those as team captains, and then we would be able to flush out the teams. Um, and again, from people just like, as we start, it's sort of like that saying, like, build it, they will come, which takes a lot of trust. And oftentimes I was really scared during the process and wavered in that trust. But ultimately, like, people did, they came. And so then it was identifying, like, it was really, it was a lot of one-on-one. So someone would come to a meeting and then I would say like, tell me about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Like, what do you like to do? What are you concerned with? And then being able to suss out, and this is, I think, a, a skill that I have and I think helps as um, managing a team is or directing a play is saying like, okay, you are really intellectual. You move with brain forward activity. We you like to research. So like we have all these issues that we really need to suss out and then we need someone to write about it. And then so, yeah, people just sort of fell into place, you know, Ace, who is now a main teammate of ground game was our, uh, he, Derek was our communications director, but also, but Ace filled the, this amazing role as press secretary. And so like, he'd write these amazing press releases and be the person that the press talked to. So I didn't have to talk to them right away. And it made us look extraordinarily professional, you know, and that was, 
it gave us a huge leg up. So, um, so, so how big was the, the team that you ultimately collected? Like how God. many active members of the campaign? We had 32 plus core members working on it. I know it was insane. And when I'm thinking about it now and people came in later, I mean, Jonathan LaPearl, I met at a protest and I was getting signatures at this protest and he was asking me all these questions and I was like, just sign the <laughs> the petition, you know, but he wanted to really make sure that I was viable or that we were doing something good. And we were having an event that night after the protest and he came, this guy came and then he ended up being the person who headed up our neighborhood council liaison, which was a huge role that he took on. And it was extremely detail oriented and it just also made us feel very connected and it made it so that the neighborhood councils felt like they really had a voice on our campaign because of his position and for those of you who aren't familiar with the way la politics works uh uh, neighborhood councils are elected but completely volunteer sort of mini city councils that don't really have power to make policy changes but they do have the power to submit statements to the larger city council um and they're a pretty key part of political life here in la but they're also kind of a unique feature here because they're again cover large swaths of people but don't really have a lot of power so you, you had to get tied into that network as well I assume. and i didn't have to i actually had someone who has been around in la politics for a very long time say like don't bother I see it as such a hub of resources, right? Because you've got these people who are obviously engaged. They're community leaders. They're invested in their communities. So they're at the front the front lines. And um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy with them and there's a lot of issues. But ultimately, I, I have a really positive outlook of what could be done with them if they're well organized. And, and this leads me to my next question, which is how much on-the-job education it seems like you're getting. Because for most people who live here in L.A., we're fairly ignorant of our city council because there's very few of them. They operate almost as a government removed. And figuring out that process is kind of antithetical to living in L.A. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the ignorance comes from and a lot of the fire. Because in hindsight, you know, I say that I wouldn't have run for office. I'm really glad I did ultimately. But uh, yeah, I was really ignorant, but I learned a lot. And, you know, God bless the people that gave me their time, like Bill Prislucky. He was one of the first organizers in L.A. I met with. Um, and then Kendall Mayhew, his partner, was one of the core members on our team. She informed the culture of our campaign in so many important ways. But, you know, it's people like Bill and Encore and Walker and Alex at Food and Water Watch who really sat down and, and helped me have a crash course in what was happening in LA and it was fine because a lot of people aren't aware so then we were able to say to people that we were meeting at farmers markets and vote potential voters or when we went door to door like hey I'm really new to this too but like this is the vision that we're holding and I and I want to really encourage anybody that feels really ignorant like still dive into the work and as long as your intentions are good then you can't go wrong and it seems like a lot of what has to happen for a campaign to be successful successful is a lot of on the ground work person to person organizing person to person connecting like even if you have a strong digital network that doesn't get you votes that doesn't get you signatures you have to be out there pounding the pavement which can seem a little uncomfortable for a lot of people nowadays super uncomfortable and I'll, I'll just remark Sylvie's campaign wasn't online hardly at all so Sylvie doesn't have any social media presence we had a great social media presence for our campaign and I think that helped get us a lot build those relationships 
initially. It also made us really accessible, which was nice. We had people just shooting us messages all the time and we'd respond back right away. Um, but you don't need it. It's phone calls, it's text messages, it's, it, but most importantly, it's getting on the ground. And I want to say, so um, Megan Choi, who goes by Killa, uh, came onto the campaign like in December uh, and she like revolutionized our outreach strategy. And it And so for me, how we set up the office space, so we did get an office space and that was actually through Derek. Um, he had a connection with Shayla who owns a downtowner in Hollywood and she gave us the space for $700 a month, which was beautiful. We pay double that now as ground game, which is fine because that's what it's worth. But for three months, we had this office space, which was really important for bringing community together. We had weekly meetings every Thursday and that became... Um, a ritual for our campaign these Thursday weekly meetings and it was open to everyone and we would just get work done and that's what ground game has continued to do now but so um so I had set up the office so that we had people here every night from four to seven from four to eight or seven um and then on the weekends from the day to the evening and so there were these people here who could train canvassers on how to go out and canvas but what we didn't have was like a data person and we had this uh, we bought into Organizer, which was a poor, which was a poor decision on my part because it was a lot of money and we didn't utilize it to the greatest extent because we didn't have like a data political person on our campaign. But eventually, we threw it all out like three weeks before the election. I was like, "What are we doing? We haven't canvassed. We have to get on the ground." And all that fear that I had about wanting to take care of people and make sure people were okay, I was like, "We have a team of thirty-two plus." Members, we got to get on the ground. Ace, Killa, me, Kendall, like we got to start pounding the pavement, knocking on doors. And that's what we did. And so Killa, bless her, pulled up Google Maps and broke out the whole district into sections where we would canvas. And I said to each person, like, I know you've been doing videos. I know you've been doing coordination. I know you've been doing this and, and research, but now we have to use you and your body and have you talk to people on the ground. And they did it. Our, like, I'm getting kind of emotional talking about it now, but like literally like 40 of us got on the ground and for three weeks, we literally knocked on every door in the district. We made it so that we were having conversations that were uh, quality, not quantity, but at the same time, I think we almost knocked on every single door in this district. And um, the reason, the, and we did amazing and pulled it out. But I mean, at the same time, if we had done that, two other times starting before November we would have won I know we would have because when we knocked on doors and people heard our story and the vision and we listened to their concerns they were in you know but we didn't get in time for the mail-in ballots right those dropped in February and so what I would say to anybody and this is what I'm telling people now like get on don't wait for your fancy flyer don't wait for your fancy data like get on the ground now and knock on doors excellent so so that sort of it brings us to the the end of this uh first of the the three-parter uh but what I'm taking away is that you want to have a team that you know and are able to work with that you you want to know sort of the lay of the land of where you're going, like what you're going to be running for and who you're going to be running to represent. And that the best way to get to know them is to just go and talk to the people who live there. And a lot of outreach. We did a lot of emailing to community organizations uh, that represent people in Spanish speaking areas and Armenian and, and Korean. And so it was really important to meet with those 
people, those leaders who know their communities really well so that we could then frame our campaign to their issues and concerns. Cool. All right. So uh, we're going to be back shortly uh, talking about what it looks like to run a campaign day to day. Uh, now that we've covered sort of getting it off the ground and getting it flying, how we're going to keep it in the air. And Jess looks very excited and stressed out by this. So thank you very much.